0: We are in, um, in Luke 12, and again, um, I, it would be remiss of me not to mention, as we, just, we recorded a little thing before worship today, you might have heard, uh, and that was recorded before there were any riots. Uh, we just need to be the Christians and the light here, listening to people, loving on people. We need to not do any judging. Saying harsh things and political things on social media is not going to help um, I have a lot of feeds coming into my life from law enforcement communities, and there's so much I'd like to say. But then I, I say, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to harm anybody. I don't want to, I don't want to put a stumbling block out there. So let's just say people are human beings, and they need to be shown dignity, love, and respect. And so we'll be the people that do that. Uh, I, I may bring this up in the Monday morning message. But um, I just keep thinking, we were not helped by the concept of race. Um, race is a cultural concept. It is not physiological. Whenever we are looking for the best match, for example, for a kidney donation or any any other, just fill in the blank. And we do a tissue search worldwide. It is not at all unusual that a better match for my body might be a Korean woman or a black man, or then my own family, because we are so closely related genetically. And so it just, it breaks my heart that, um, I don't know who started the racial thing. I do know Darwin really kicked it into high gear. Uh, Darwin and the English of the 1800s really pushed the race concept so so much, and claimed that the white English people were the top of the evolutionary ladder, lucky them, um, and and this has not helped us, but that people have been enslaving people and such forever, so I'm not going to track it to that one stream, but let's just, um, we don't have to buy into it, all right? Uh, Luke 12, we are beginning <clears throat> a series of very harsh things, it sounds like, that Jesus is saying, um, Sorry, I said series, and my phone woke up and wants to give me directions somewhere. It, uh, I was praying once at a, at a table um, at Sopa Pia's, which if, um, if restaurants ever come back, that's, that's where you ought to go. And I was praying over uh, the law enforcement officers there, the first responders, we had a table full. Halfway through that list, the phone woke up and said, I'm sorry, I don't recognize those categories. We are being monitored by uh, Siri, and she is not, um, not our friend. Okay, um, this, this series of passages can be a, a struggle. If you want to take them as absolute law, I think they're impossible to bind on anybody. Um, let's, um, let's have a look. The parable of the rich fool is how the NIV puts this right there. But he's only a fool because of one thing. And, and here's where we, we often, the sermons left it out. Uh, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Oh my goodness. If you don't have a will, make one. If you're thinking, I don't have anything, leave. Make a will. Go to legal Zoom or something and do it for a few bucks. It's more than a few bucks. It's probably closer to 70 or 80. Uh, And that's a lot of money, fair enough. But my goodness, I've seen families split over who got the records, not the records of their family, LPs that were of no particular value. Uh, This particular set I'm thinking of right now were Reader's Digest collections of great classical works and a, a sister no longer talked to her brother. Make a will. All right. That said, Jesus said, "Man, who man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? In other words, this is not my job. You know what? What are you coming to me for?" Then he said, "Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed." By the way, I think all kinds of greed would be a really good sermon series because there are so many different kinds. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Oh, we're about to hit Ecclesiastes again. Oh, yes, we are. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God will say to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it is with anyone, whoever, stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. You can go sideways on this so quickly. Let's not do that. Is it all right to have an abundant harvest? Yes. Is it all right to build new barns to store it in? Sure. Yes, it is. Is it wrong to say, eat, drink, and be merry? No. How many times did Solomon or, who, or the teacher or whoever put it together, the book of Ecclesiastes, tell us that's exactly what God wants us to do? It is the qualifier, whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. If you are putting things in the barn to keep them out of the hands of God so they can be used just for you, now we've got an issue. Do we see the, the situation there? Uh, this sounds like a preacher story, but it is not. Um, I, uh, I, I witnessed it as a boy. I have no idea where we were. It was in Appalachia and that's an area. And I was just a, a little boy. My dad preached out in the middle, of these poor hollers somewhere. And every week there were baptisms. And this one one farmer guy, uh, after a couple baptisms, dad was out in the creek, baptizing people, uh, or the crick, as it was known locally. Um, and somebody on the shore, dad would always turn around and say to anybody else. And, and it was amazing how often somebody would say, well, okay, and they'd walk out. This big old guy, farmer type guy, uh, bib Overalls and like walked out. I don't remember his name. We're just going to call him John. He got almost to dad. Um, when when his wife yelled out, you know, John, you 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 kept your wallet your wallets in your in your pocket, um, and he stopped and he and he started to turn and walk all the way back out. You had to kind of go in there to find the deep spot. He stopped and he turned around. And he said he muttered, and my dad told me later he muttered, "Well, I you know I reckon it needs baptizing too." So he he just went under with it. There are unbaptized parts of our lives if we're honest it might be uh, an anger or a grudge that we cherish and hone and polish it might be money it might be um, our stuff i I'm, whatever it is we do need to watch to make sure there are not unbaptized parts of our lives and the only thing this man did wrong was not factor god in to his abundance and not make the abundance available to God. It wasn't that he was rich. I have, I have no problem with people being rich. You know, I, I, I know some people uh, might have rejoiced whenever, let's say, Tiger Woods fell from his great height. I didn't. He was my favorite golfer, and he's he's one of my favorites now. I mean, he's worked so hard to come back. He's one of my favorites now. Um, I don't begrudge rich people. Bill Gates. Uh, I don't. I don't care that they're rich. That's fine. They, they either worked hard or inherited well, or, you know, I'm. I am fine with all that. It is whenever, it's what we do with our stuff. We don't sit around and judge what other people do with theirs. And if we do this whole eat, drink, and be merry thing, and then don't, um, don't make it abundant, uh, uh, available to God. That's when it's the issue. It's that killer last line there. Um, any questions or anything you want to add to that? Because he's, he's actually, it's a new paragraph, but he's not leaving the theme. All right. Okay. <clears throat> then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, always look for what it's there for. I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. <clears throat> Okay, Um, how absolute is this, or is this an overriding emergency lever of some sort? Um, We need to have a worldview that has emergency stops built into it. Now, if my worldview is that Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight, then... I cannot dislike black people or oriental people or, and I don't think they like the term oriental anymore. Sorry, Um, Asian people. Um, I can't can't decide I don't like white people. I cannot group people that God made because I have an overriding principle that God made them in his image. So no, no matter what else is going on, there's that break that hits and says, Patrick, back up. You believe something and that should inform your behavior. Um, we believe, remember I told you last week about uh, watching 24 and people wanted to live so m- much that they'd give up the nuclear codes that would kill millions. And I'm going, what? what is it about your life that you want to hold on to that's that, that you'd be willing to spend that for it? We need to to not be walking about with our head in a tunnel going, I need more food. I need more clothes. I need more stuff. Now, I would suggest to you that this is a lot easier lesson for us to absorb than it was for his people because a lot of them right then were, they had one set of clothes and meals were not certain and they had children at home. This was a lot harder for them to hear than it is for us. Um, anybody found strange, wonderful stuff in your pantry during quarantine? Going, wait, well, hey, we, could, we could live in here for a month and then quarantine went three months. So, but you look in there and, I, and it's like, what, why, do we, why were we going to the store when this, we had this? Um, we are blessed. So I think we need to look at his people in his context. He's asking them to do a very hard thing. And that is to put God ahead of their own needs. I'm not, I'm not sure how easy that is for us because we're so comfortable uh, in most ways. I do struggle with this passage if you, can't, if you haven't noticed. He does explain life is more than food and a body more than clothes. Now, here's where God gave me an advantage. <laughs> um, I'm not a foodie. I am the opposite of a foodie. When people say, what are the good restaurants around here? I don't really know what to say. Now, I eat food, but I have never in my life craved, you know, I need some Italian food right now. Or, you know what I need? I need a big steak right now. It could have been because of the way I was raised. um, Missionary kid, you know, critter on a stick if you could get it. Um, I, I don't know. Whatever it was, I, Cammy will, will say, "What do you want for dinner?" Bec- and after forty years, she's still asking me, and I'm still going, "Why don't you make make a suggestion?" And I'll tell you, that's what I want. You know, I was just um, many of you ladies, you would sympathize with Cammy because you know if I Cammy has learned a long time ago not to say, "I don't care," when I say, "Where would you like to eat?" Women say I don't care when they do. Uh, if you're ordering dinner through a clown's mouth at a drive-thru, you're probably a dead man. So I have to ask her, you know, be specific, and she is. So I don't walk around thinking of food. I have worked, I do not at present, but I've worked at churches where the staff were made up half or more of foodies. And they every, every week we have our meeting, oh, we got to eat at this new restaurant. Oh, there's this new restaurant. And I'm going okay, you know, I'm, I'm all right, peanut butter and jelly out in the car, but, and I really am. Um, I probably had peanut butter and jelly for lunch, 85% of the time during quarantine, and I'm cool with it. And Cammie looks at me with uh, barely disguised disgust, but I'm, I'm comfortable with that look. But if you are a foodie, this is harder for you, more than clothes. That could be hard for us too. Um, you've heard of the freshman five, the pounds you put on as a freshman in college. I I think some people are going to have the COVID-19 because we're we're not able to move. It's going to be a struggle. Consider the ravens. They do not sow nor reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. So he he lays out the first bit of the world view. Trust that God cares what happens to you. Trust that God knows what you need. Jesus will flat out say that later. Then he goes, he shows you. I always think of James when we get to chapter twelve, verse twenty-five, because James tells us, "Don't get angry, don't get upset, because um, it doesn't help." He goes, "Why are you doing all these arguments? They don't work." I love that passage in James. And here he's saying, why are you worrying? What is, what, how does worrying help you? We, uh, here we go. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Do you remember he even talks about, um, in another passage, by worrying, can you add a cubit to your stature? You're worrying doesn't really work. Instead, devising another plan works. Now, this is this one does hit me because I do not have a quiet mind. When I wake up in the morning, it's like a fire hose hits it, and I'm sorting and I'm thinking and I'm and it's it is wearying, especially now. And I caught myself last night becoming exhausted, concerned about how do we reopen. I really want us to reopen but should we reopen and and I'm looking at all the factors and then there are human factors there are people who uh, will be afraid to come there are people who uh, insist on coming and I caught myself worrying rather than developing plans so I'll tell them myself there so I've dedicated a lot of today and tomorrow evening gonna be with my mother in the morning um, and this week to put down enough plans, A, B, C, and D decision trees that I'll stop the worrying because I've got at least another another thing I can do. And this is, that's a struggle for me. Um, and Catherine puts, or Marcus, one of them, uh, that, oh, it's Catherine. Okay. Worry is a direct assault on God's ability to care for us. Wow. See that in the chat box, people write that down and needlepoint it.
1: I can't take credit for that. That's actually a quote from Dave Clayton from ETHOS from years okay. ago.
0: All right. Well, fantastic. Thank it's you. It's just
1: one of the things that has always stuck with me. Um, and he kind of equated it when he told, told it was, um, to like, his, his children when they were little, you know, and he was like, I have a four-year-old son. When I tuck him into bed, I'm not, you know, he doesn't say, Dad, did you pay the electric bill? we have food on the table? Are we good? Is everything okay? He said it's because, you know, he took faith that he's his dad. He's going to take care of him and we should do the same as God the Father.
0: I love it. Yeah. I love that. Although I must tell you, Catherine, you're never going to become a minister if you actually credit people. Uh, like, <laughs> you have to learn to steal creatively <laughs> i'll keep that in mind okay uh patrick yes yes Doctor.
1: uh many years ago we were in california and a preacher there taught us something that we've never forgotten and that's contentment is the quiet acceptance of god's plan for your life and you know it. I've, I've, I've had to rely on that a lot, lot, lot for the last three months. Yeah. You know, we I have a hard time being content uh, with what's going on because I'm, like you, I'm a planner, I want to fix things. And, uh, you know, sometimes, especially when you watch what happened last night here in Nashville, it's very frustrating and you want to be content. But, uh, you know, Really, what it comes down to, God wants us to be content, but contentment in his, at least in my definition now, is the quiet acceptance of his plan for our life. And that's really, really hard right now. That doesn't include worry.
0: (laughs) What was that?
2: And that does not include worry.
0: (laughs) Okay, good. Okay. Excellent. I'm used to having a wife behind me saying things uh, in a low voice too. So I wanted to make sure it was all was good. <coughs> um, I don't want to editorialize or get off the track here. But let me just tell you this, at least, in scrutinizing the videos that the law enforcement people have asked me to look at, the majority, and I'm aware people can cherry pick videos, but the ones that have been sent to me, the vast majority of the people doing the vandalizing and the beating and such are white. They are not our African-American brothers and sisters out there. Uh, In fact, there's one video which is so powerful, it broke my heart. You had black people standing there asking the white people to stop. And one big black man said, we're going to get the blame. We're going to get the blame. And the man kept doing it. And I was here in Nashville. Um, the devil is afoot. He is in the streets. Do not let him turn this into a race thing. This is, this is something else. Um, I want to say more, but maybe, maybe I shouldn't have even gone there. Um, worrying does not help us. Planning does. I, um, I enjoy a book. Whenever the, the hero is not always chewing his nails, wondering how am I going to survive? You know, I, I want the guy or the woman, whoever is the heroine, their hero to, to move forward with the plan. Here's a, an example. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spend. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And I think because of um, Catherine and and Topper, we don't really need to editorialize there. I think we're we're on track. Do not set your heart. I think this is key. Set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. I want to just put that. What is it? Why do I mean it's key? Well, I do not have places where I would say, well, I, I really crave this food right now. Um, there are kinds of food that I don't care for that much, and I don't think it'd be helpful to name them. Uh, and sometimes I'm with the group, and they decide that one. Well, sometimes they decide that one, even if they know I don't like it because the group likes it. What are you going to do? I've seen people, you know, just get mopey, I, I, and I'm going, why would you do this? You can enjoy being at the table, you know, having having your, your sweet tea or whatever while they're doing their stuff and talk to them and love on them. Or you can pout because you didn't like where you ended up. I, don't set your mind on things. Um, that's kind of like setting your mind on Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. Nope. You know, Chick-fil-A is not my, in my top 10 um, fast food restaurants, but my family loves it. And every time I think, you know, I, I will try one. Of, it's a Sunday. So, you know, uh, and by the way, could be worse. I love chick, chicken salad chick, but have you ever had to order and you have to ask for a fancy Nancy and I, I'm just, let me tell you people, it's just it's the struggle is real. Moving on, the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows you need them. And that's, I believe, what what Topper and Catherine were talking about. The difference between us and the pagan world, pagan uh, has become a pejorative. It just means the world that does not know God, but has other gods. They run after all these things. We should be different even in the way we supply ourselves with food and clothing, because there is a God. That's amazing. It should direct our steps even there. Uh, I got out of the habit of doing this, and I wish I hadn't. But we, we always were kind of right on the edge financially for most of our married life. Um, And so before walking into the grocery store, I would even pray quietly, God, this is your body, this is your money, this is your food. Guide me wisely in what I buy and what I do not buy. And like I said, I think somewhere in the raising children phase, I got out of this. But I still think of it very often thinking, would God be happy with my checkbook? Or, I think more to date, by looking at my bank account online. Would he be happy with what I'm doing and what I'm not doing? Um, I don't want it to look like the, uh, an unbeliever. But seek his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, I love actually the way the King James phrases it. I, it just seems more powerful. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. There's sometimes that I just, the, the King James actually comes with a bit more power. Uh, and I think that line, it does seek you first, the kingdom of God. Um, he's he's not done, by the way, he's got another couple of verses, but do you want to, anybody want to chime in?
2: Yeah, Patrick, I had something to say about Go for um, it, really. when my mother um, was, fell ill and then had the, the stroke that actually took her out. Um, I she had always been such a, uh, a teacher of, uh, not worrying. Um, uh, she was, um, uh, it was amazing. Um, but anyway, not to get off on that tangent about my mom, but, you know, really, um, I had such a acceptance level, which i never ever would have had beforehand. And that's only, I know through being in the word and, and and knowing and feeling God's love and grace um, so strongly at that time that I never felt alone. I never felt like um, I couldn't make it another day. Uh, it was a total acceptance level that was beyond me. Period. I, I just don't. I don't have an explanation except for God's miraculous grace. Not only that, but the um, you know having the um, expectations not in whatever the outcome was or was gonna be, but having the expectation that my mother was saved and I know that and I know that she's no longer in pain, but it was an expectation that I didn't put in a doctor, but I put it in where it was supposed to be, which is in God's hands. And that is a total change for for me. And, 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 and I'm so appreciative of that growth. I'm knowing where I need to be, but I'm definitely a lot further than where I was and um and walking my mom and my, my family um through that whole process has uh, have such a reliance on the dependence of on God that I never would have had it not happened I don't think but um but I I, I I understand the difference of worry and accepting and not expectations in anything Um, like an indifference to the world, but um, only um, having that toward uh, God's will and and knowing that and and accepting that. And and it's a huge um, change for for me in my life today. Thank God.
0: (laughs) If that makes any sense. Oh, it does. It does. I thought that was beautiful. Don't you guys? Yes. You,
1: You know, Patrick, in the context of your sermon this morning, everything we've talked about, Today you've talked about today are cards. Uh, whether you're rich or poor, to a certain extent, is a card that you may or may not have had a part in getting. Whether you're black or white, a lot of the things are totally that we have be are beyond our control, and other things that are within our control, but God has blessed us with. Uh, but they're all cards. And in the context of which you, how you ended your sermon this morning. It's not the cards that are important, it's how you play the cards that's important. And if you play them in the context of God and uh, with Him in the middle of it, uh, you tend to play it, play them entirely different than if you don't. And I've done it both ways. And trust me, uh, one of them is definitely better than the other.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of wisdom from the group. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Um, it's a, The Semitic flow of this actually works better than the English flow. He's What he's doing is making a contrast. You're worrying about food and clothing when God has given you a kingdom. That's the balance. Uh, C.S. Lewis put it, uh, we are children in an alley Arguing over mud uh, mud castles we're making when God has given us a palace. Um, now he said it more elegantly than that. Uh, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, Historians love to look at the accounts, the um, the checkbooks, as it were. We know an awful lot about Thomas Jefferson from his writings, he, he wrote a lot, but if you really wanna know what he thought about, you have to go look at his accounts and it will show you where he put his money and how he moved it around. Uh, I, I learned that by listening to a couple of professors Uh, out of Virginia, and they talked about um, doing basically archaeology on people we all know. But where you dig, they said, you will learn a lot more from them by the way they use their money than by what they wrote. I think that's probably true today as well. Um, But there's a couple things. Verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. He is not asking us to be penniless wonders wanderers around the the world, if we were penniless, how could we then help the poor more than once? You know, we would give away everything. That's once. Now what do you do? No, he's talking about the overabundance of things. And friends, that's something which you have to make a call on personally. I don't think it I don't think I have the right to say, all right, you can have this many pair of shoes, but anything over is excessive. You know, I, no, no. Uh, I think that you and God have to come to that uh, that decision of where you are, and 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 most of us have one of those things. It could be golf clubs, fishing gear, it could be um, clothes, it could be cars. I I caught myself yesterday, for example. First of all, the SpaceX launch was amazing. It was boom, and I, I kept hoping God was giving uh, the three African-American ladies and hidden figures a ringside seat. Because without their brains and working it with a pencil and paper pre-calculator, we wouldn't have gotten there. And the staggering things, I, I almost choked up when I saw that they were able to recover the rocket stage and land it on a drone ship. And as they're up there flying, it's like driving a Tesla. You know, it's all screens up there. I found myself actually thinking, ooh, maybe I should get a Tesla. I should not get a Tesla. I don't need a Tesla. Um, I want, I crave, I'm jealous, envy, it's a greed thing, but I need to draw a line there. All of us, I think, have that little spot that when you bump it, we go, oh, well look at that and he's saying manage your stuff now how do i know well first of all look at the church's response in acts chapter 2. acts two thirty-eight is well known by every church of christ person as it should be repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy spirit but if you look after that the reaction was they pulled their resources they shared with those in need. Immediately, they took their eyes off of what can I get from me and put them on, what do they need that I can share? And so um, that's where we're going. You know, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And that's a, that's a struggle because we're human. Um, we're about to shift focus. That that last verse is actually a hinge point to the next thought. So one of us, first of all, stop, see if anybody has anything they want to go with before we move on. I'm loving the room today. It's great. Thank you. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they will immediately open the door for him. Be ready to move, get your mind right. There are, um, police talk about condition white, condition yellow, condition red. Most people walk in condition white. Uh, I have almost run into people who have stepped off the sidewalk in front of me, looking at their phones with earbuds in. Uh, we had another uh, young man killed in an, uh, around Nashville, I don't think it was in the city, uh, on a railroad track and they found that he had earbuds in and just been walking then here. That's condition white. You're not paying attention to anything around you. Condition yellow, you're not paranoid, but when you walk in the room, you see where the exits are. You notice who's there. You pay a little attention. Uh, condition red is when everything's gone sideways and you know, it's, it's red alert. Everybody's going to running or gunning at that stage. There are people who live in condition red all the time and you see them on social media. We're all gonna die, we're all gonna die. Um, you also have people who are, are conditioned white and see nothing. I think it's best to be conditioned yellow. Just think, what are your plans? What's, what's the second, what's the third? If God throws your curve, are you dressed and ready? My son's in LA right now, um, working, I'm not gonna name the factory because I don't know who else is listening to this. and. Um, he he doesn't advertise where he is, but he's in L.A. Yeah, I can do that. And he sent me a text um, of a picture of another text that they got from the government there saying curfew, shut down, be alert, danger on these streets. Um, his hotel is very close to where he's working. But we started texting back and forth. And he always texts me when he hears something from the Marines and he you know, says, keep your head on a swivel, so I said it back to him. And he said, well, my, I'm working with another guy in my company, and he's a 20-year uh, Navy vet who was assigned to the MEU, which is a Marine Expeditionary Unit. So those are the Marines that are on the ships, that they move them around by ships. He says, so between him and I, we, you know I think we're covered. And, uh, All right, fair enough, but um, you know, keep your eyes open, be ready, what's your plan? and watch a policeman walk into a room just to kind of just get lunch when he walks in uh, I have friends who are retired police officers they've been out for 10-12 years they walk into a room they're smiling but they're doing this and when they walk out to the car they're doing this just want to know where things are just want to see and that's fine that's a good thing think ahead Jesus is saying prepare yourself to be Christian whenever it hits Prepare yourself to follow God. He's not saying, sit with your back to the wall because a bad guy can come through. I'm just using these things as illustrations. He's saying, whatever you do, set your life up to where no matter what happens, you are Christian. Um, I, I play golf with some friends um, from the church, and sometimes some people are you know, to us. I, I believe I can say that I have not reacted in an unchristian manner, even to a horrible shot. Uh, I, I don't throw clubs, I don't break clubs, I don't curse. Um, there was one time where I was having a horrific round and we were assigned to two people who were not Christians and they cursed quite a bit. I was just having a terrible, and one, one other putt lipped out and, and the whole group was silent. They were all feeling for me. If you watched the match last week, I was Tom Brady. I could not do anything. And I I admit, I did look over at the two guys and I said, as a Christian, I can't say anything, but if one of you has a comment, it's just, uh, and that's a little, that's a silly thing. But what happens if one of your family gets sick, like Kimberly was talking about, um, what happens, I don't want to keep going. Are you prepared to be ready to be available for the use of Jesus Christ? Are you dressed and ready? That's, that's pretty cool. You are know, like waiting for their master re- to return from a wedding banquet. So when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds him watching when he comes. Uh, he's not, by the way, endorsing a Downton Abbey way of life. He is dealing with the reality. We work for people. We have people above us. We have people below us. Be prepared to do your job. A lot of that in, in First Peter uh, and in the book of Titus. Be prepared to be honorable doing what you do. Be prepared to be Christian. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, and he will have them reclined at the table and will come and wait on them. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. Um, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Uh, We can read that as a threat and a bad thing, but I don't think that's what he was trying. Um, I think he was just saying, just be ready. As Tom Holland, um, the late Tom Holland, he's passed on now, was a professor at Freed Hardeman College, and he was who I heard it from first. I've since found out it has been used for generations. Uh, he would always say to his, um, his church, live each day as if it was your last, because one of these days you'll be right. Um, yeah, that's, that's true. I walked into a room two years ago, um, every one of the law enforcement officers there was suffering from PTSD of some form or another. Some of them had done wrong. Um, all, the vast majority wrong had been done to them or done in front of them. I could enumerate the losses, but they were they were pretty awful. And I've been praying for a long time how to open. And I walked in. You know, they're sitting there quietly, and I asked them. They they all had pads and pencils provided by the conference leader. I I said I want to give you. Um, five minutes to write. I want you to make a list of the things or people you would die for. It got very quiet, I mean, there was not a murmur. I waited until pencils were down. I said, now I want you to read your list quietly to yourself. I waited a while. Then I said, now, how can we organize your life to live for these things? so that you're not just willing to die for them, but you have redirected your life so that you are willingly living for these things. And that's where we went the next two days. Um, Very emotional, very powerful time. But I remind myself of my own words sometimes. Would I die for this? No. Then don't live for it. It's not worth your time. Let's pull back. Let's rethink. Um, As the shepherds will tell you, there are many times I just shrug and say, that's not my lane. I'm not dying on that hill, and uh, I'm, I'm going to pick my hill. I think I get that from here. So, and I, I, by the way, I love Peter there. I just love Peter when he's saying, "Why are you telling this, this? Tell everybody else. You know, you're picking on us." Sometimes it does feel like Jesus is picking on us, but that's because he really, he Jesus has a high view of us. Have you ever thought of that? He left. He said, you guys got it, you'll do fine. Wow. Did you feel that way when your kid went to college saying, well, we did our job, they'll be good. Nah, but God has faith in you. We are beyond the magic minute, um, but I'm behind.